Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious Serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes. Press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over a hundred social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington, Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey Mets fans, welcome to episode 267 of Amazing Avenue Audio, the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. My name is Brian Salvatore, thank you for joining us this week. We have Aaron York rejoining the show for the second segment in a little while, but first up, Chris McShane and I talk about the signing of Adrian Gonzalez, the free shirt Friday shirts, and uh, a little music chat. So here it goes. Well... I don't want to say you heard it here first, folks, because we didn't really break the news, but we pretty much guaranteed that uh, Adrian Gonzalez would be a Met, and uh, here we are, middle of January, and Adrian Gonzalez is a Met. Uh, signed for the league minimum because of his contract being uh, primarily still on the hook for Atlanta. Um, it, it's rumored that he's expected to be the, op- the opening day starting first baseman for the Mets. It's sort of puts a whole new light on our Jay Bruce conversation from last week. But before we get to sort of uh, the Bruce situation and the outfield and all of that, just from a baseball perspective, when he's in the game, do you think 
Adrian Gonzalez will be a positive offensive or defensive force for the Mets in 2018. Chris. Well, stop me if this sounds familiar. Uh, if he is healthy, <laughs> I, yeah. I think he's still capable. Uh, I know, you know, given his age, uh, he's 35. He'll turn 36 in May. So that, you know, that makes this his age 36 season. Uh, Mine as well. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I tend to be a defender of the uh, player over 30 because it is just, uh, I don't know, it is not trendy to defend such players these days. Uh, and I understand the objective, inf- it, you know, information that goes behind all of that. But, yeah, I mean, he, he didn't play anywhere near a full season last year. Uh, that was the first time he didn't. It was a combination of, you know, the injuries, um, primarily the back issue, if I'm remembering correctly, and uh, Cody Bellinger, you know. So it it, it was a weird year for him. Uh, it had not been like his career was in a downward spiral. You know, we get to these points in time that uh, people maybe read – very much into something uh, that shouldn't be considered so heavily. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's going to be a terrible hitter and be hurt and, you know, flame out by the end of April. Uh, But you look back at what he had done over the course of his career. This, this is a guy who, you know, was playing almost every single game. Uh, His low since he became a regular was 156 games played wow uh that was going back to 2006 uh and he he only hit that low three times he was above it every other season in his career Uh, that that's sort of like a robinson cano kind of durability to him uh so you know you look at all that and and i understand you know 34 35 36 people look he he was legitimately terrible in a very short span of time uh, that he played last year, uh, and then they, you know you go back to 2016. He was only pretty good, you know, not um, maybe not the defensive player that he used to be, and not the dominant hitter. Uh, but he did have a couple of seasons, uh, you know, earlier in his career where he was. Just a you know an above average hitter, not a dominant one. So I, I look at all that, and I I'm not saying I'd bet a ton of money that he will be good, but I don't think it's impossible that he could be a positive contributor. Um, and you know at the same time, it's not impossible that Dom Smith could be a positive contributor. Um, you're, you're sort of looking at age in two very different parts of the the uh the arc with the two of them but age and experience could work for or against either one depending on which way you want to look at it yeah i uh as is with so many of the decisions that the mets make i'm not against this decision this signing in a vacuum i'm against it because i know the mets and like if this was a flyer that they were taking on this player, and if he stinks up the joint in April, he'll be released, that's one thing. 
I feel like there's no way the Wilpons release him next year. <laughs> I feel like he's cost-effective, and so he will remain on the Major League roster for the entire season. And, you know, if he's hitting well, that's 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 fine. But if he's not, I just don't see the Wilpons cutting bait with him. And that, yeah. that's what bums me out. Right, and I, I think that is probably the most valid concern right now. Um you know, as divisive a prospect as Dom Smith has been, uh, ranging from, you know, the Keith Law opinion to the Jeff Paternostro opinion on him, uh, it's, you know, it's not like he came up and looked great. Uh, and, and you wouldn't want to read too much into a month or two months either way. Right. But it's not like he came up and destroyed the baseball and the Mets are like, eh, nah, we're going to. You know, try this veteran, see if he can find it one last time, uh, and, and just make you play in the minors. Um, you know, whether or not that's the best thing for the team or Dom Smith's development, I don't know. But uh, but yeah, it it certainly l- left the door open, I guess, for this kind of thing to happen. Uh, I will say that if this kind of thing was going to happen, I would certainly have preferred Lucas Duda. Absolutely. Uh, but you know, I mean, the free agents are. I don't know if they're going to cost money by the end of the winter. Yeah, probably presumably not. <laughs> it would cost more than, than Gonzalez is. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you know, he should, at the very least, he should get the Curtis Granderson contract one year, $5 million, which is absurd for Duda. But oh, yeah. I don't, want to turn, I don't want to turn the whole episode into a uh, Duda rant. No. Um We'll, we'll get Steve on and do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I think that one of the concerns is, like I said, the Wilpons being being able to objectively cut bait if need be. My other concerns are are one of them is 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 a serious one, and one of them is a less serious one. Um, the more the serious one is that the Mets are are getting into a position now where they have at least three people who should be playing first base exclusively on their team. And, you know, I'm a little bit concerned about how they're going to find playing time for everybody. Again, these things tend to work themselves out. My fear, though, is that the players who should be getting the most at-bats are not going to because because you have an Adrian Gonzalez on your roster. Um, You know, that sort of thing. But again, these things tend to work themselves out through injury or uh, ineffectiveness or, you know, spring training trade or, or whatever. So I'm not, I'm not completely writing that off. My, my less important concern, and this is, this is only less important for me because I feel like this is exactly the thing that everybody blows out of proportion. And I do think there might be some validity here, but I don't know enough to, um, to speak to it, which is his reputation as a bad clubhouse guy. Yeah, it's sort of a weird thing. So, you know, I didn't, uh, admittedly didn't take a deep dive, but I remembered having seen something um, during this offseason, but it was written about him not being with the team in the World Series, uh, you know, when he was still a Dodger. Uh, but the the overall tone of it, uh, the headline, and obviously the headlines don't always uh, get written by the, the writer, in a traditional paper like that, uh, I would say they rarely do. 
But uh, but the the headline and then a lot of the tone of the piece spoke of him as you know this clubhouse leader, influential, um, sort of mentoring guy, right? And that didn't really match up with the overall reputation that I had heard. So it, I could be mistaken, but it seems like the things that it happened in Boston, you know, the whole fried chicken era, uh, <laughs> for lack of a, a better term, it kind of seems like that was the low point. I know I've seen that referenced, uh, you know, today, now that it's official, uh, w- with him talking about it and, you know, saw some comments from Bobby Valentine about the fact that not everybody's okay with it, but he's a guy who will give you his opinion and, you know, let you know. Uh, I, I guess Bobby Valentine was trying to say he keeps it a hundred. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I, I just, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I don't know where the reality is, you know, um, could be a guy who is perceived by half a team as the clubhouse leader and half a team as, you know, an annoying prick. <laughs> right. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a weird world and it's something that I don't think we get accurate portrayal of very often. Right. I mean, I know that there have been a number of players who, uh, and not to get, you know, too um, political is the wrong word here, but I know that, you know, Oftentimes, a Hispanic player that shows a lot of celebration, that is very celebratory or is very flamboyant, is called, you know, one name. Whereas if there was a Caucasian player who did the exact same thing, he'd be considered a national treasure, you know? Right. And, and so. Oh, yeah. It's very hard to get a judge on. To get a, to get a good idea of, of sort of what, what a player's actual personality slash clubhouse presence is you know it's it, it's it's again we're not in the clubhouse we don't know um i know people have said that you know this is a very young mets team and so therefore there's i guess more concern about good and bad clubhouse guys and on one hand i guess i can understand that but i feel like that's ignoring um a lot of the guys who might not be raw raw clubhouse guys but are older and sort of do have some experience in this you know in this game i mean i think un assessment is somebody who you know certainly is not going to make a speech before a game but Cespedes is a strong personality Cespedes is a, a veteran i don't think that necessarily he's going to start being a uh a shitty malcontent because adrian gonzalez on the team now you know i just i i, I don't think i don't think it's going to be as big of a deal even if he's the best or worst clubhouse chemistry guy, I think all of that matters very little in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. I mean, ultimately for him, it comes down to, is he hitting? Yeah. You know, and, and let everything else fall into place. It's, it's funny. Um, yeah, I know I've, I've written about it, um, several times over the last few months going back into the last season about the um, lack of attention the team is paying to the pitching half of the roster. Yes. Because so much talk has been about position players and, you know, obviously they're not in as good a position as they were when, you know, they had um, 
healthy Michael Conforto, Cespedes, Granderson, Bruce, Duda. Um, who else did they trade away? Uh, I mean, no I even go back to 20, 2015. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Walker. Um, and going back to 2015 for, you know, parts of that season in the playoff run, they had a healthy David Wright. Right. Uh, so I know that that side of the roster well, is healthy, healthy in quotation marks. Well, yeah, but healthy <laughs> enough to, you know, do hit home runs and do things yeah. that help help the team. Um, so I know that that side of the roster isn't in as good a shape as it was uh, at various points of the last two seasons, uh, three seasons, I guess. Um, but it, it's not inconceivable that even if Gonzalez is terrible, um, that they could hack it. You know, the outfield is fine. The, the defense might not be, um, you know, winning any gold gloves, but the outfield's fine. It should be productive. Uh, I, I'd say the biggest upside of having Bruce is that if Cespedes or Conforto misses time, you can, you know, work two guys into the corners uh, and, and have your three and four hitter out of any two out of those three guys. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it's so much of it is just, will the starting pitching be healthy and or good? And I, I, I don't think that short of going out and, you know, this would be a next off season kind of thing, short of getting Machado and Harper. I don't know if there was anything available to revolutionize the position player side of things. Um, you know, I mean, if you were passionate about Hosmer and Mustakis, then I guess you would have a very different answer than me on that, but I'm not. Agreed. Um, now there have been some reports that, uh, the Mets are very, uh, unwilling to give up prospects right now that they are trying to do as much as they can through free agency because they they recognize their limited uh, cash of prospects and trying to hold on to them either for their own uses or for a bigger trade down the road uh, this came up because supposedly Brandon Nimmo was to be the centerpiece of a trade for um, either Josh Harrison or Andrew McCutcheon or both, and the Mets somewhat balked at him being a part of that trade. And, you know, on one hand, I, I I agree that if all you have to give up is money, that's better than giving up prospects in some ways. That said, the Mets don't really have either right now, money or prospects. So I find it odd that they would be so protective of the few prospects they have, especially because we're not talking about a uh, a top level prospect here. We're talking about, you know, Nimmo is. Yeah, yes, he was a first round draft pick, but I don't think anybody projects him to be necessarily a true impact player in the major leagues. And so to have him as as a as a piece in a trade for two guys who, I mean, they're, they're not necessarily. I think McCutcheon still has the potential to be an impact player. You know, Harrison's a nice player, but he's not. He's nothing all that special, so I just I I find it a little bit odd that they're not willing to to trade somebody like like Nimmo or um you know or insert somewhat underproducing prospect here for a player this offseason. Well, what do you think about that strategy? Yeah, it's uh I I think I'm 
on the higher end when it comes to McCutcheon. Uh, it, it's strange to me that his detractors, um, you know, basically talk about him like he's a, a worthless player. <laughs> and he really only had one bad season, and it wasn't even last season. Right. And, you know, last year he goes, and I, you know, we all know what the, the state of the actual ball was. Um, but he has 28 home runs. He plays a, a full season, 156 games, um, 122 WRC plus. And, uh, you know, the defensive metrics that everybody freaks out, he made a joke about it, about being in the corner. And, uh, you know, he made a bad sabermetrics joke, mm-hmm. <laughs> I will say. Uh, after he got traded to the Giants. But, you know, there's a guy who was a good player last year. It was 2016, went poorly. And even, like, that wasn't terrible. You know, the the defensive metrics went way down on him in 2016. He was he did, still, he didn't like... Jason Bay it. Right. He was a tick above league, league average as a hitter. Um, you know, it's... It, I don't get it. I don't get why his haters uh, are, are that down on him. You know, just because he's not putting up seven or eight win seasons in war doesn't mean he's terrible. Agreed. So with that, <clears throat> and maybe this is just the baseball optimist in me, um, I, I would have been fine with trading Nimmo for him because I think McCutcheon is much more of a player than people give him credit for at this point at the ripe old age of 31. Um, I also, uh, this could be a mistake, but I'm, I'm buying into Nimmo. I don't know exactly, you know, where his playing time will come from. Probably Conforto coming back way later than expected and Ligar is hurting himself like he always does. So yeah, uh, May first. By the way, for folks who don't know, that's when they're saying now uh, Conforto is likely to be ready by. So we'll right. see. So yeah, we'll see if everybody's still doing the same off-season training program. But somebody else being in charge of the medical situation after the season starts, you know, maybe we can start to identify where. <laughs> all right, where where was the problem? The thing we changed, or the thing we didn't change? Right. Um, but. You know, Nimmo, and I, you know, I am uh, never hesitant to pull the Ted Berg small sample size song alarm. Right. But I, I'm I'm buying in a little. You know, he hit five home runs, uh, was well above league average. Uh, and, you know, what whatever your flavor is, WRC plus, OPS plus. Um, you know, had a good on base percentage, had a, a little bit of you know, power between home runs and just other extra base hits. Um, you know, this is a guy who I think could be that kind of hitter, uh, whether or not he can hack it as a true center fielder. I don't know, but that's where he would play. And, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe in the long run, the Mets end up looking good. Uh, and, and Nimmo is sort of that guy. I just don't know where he gets 600 plate appearances for the next three to five years. Yeah. I mean, just other, think... than, other than everybody else being hurt. I don't like, I don't know where he gets it. Right. I mean, just thinking about this realistically. So let's say that the Gonzalez comes in and he's truly a bust and he, 
he starts ten games at first base and then doesn't start anymore. And so they move Bruce to the to the infield and Nimmo's playing every day until Conforto comes back, let's say even June first. And then he and Ligaris are splitting time in center field. And he's spelling Cespedes and Conforto every now and then. Even with that, which I think is an optimistic amount of playing time for him, he's still not going to get more than 250 or 300 plate appearances. Right. At best, yeah, yeah. you know, so I don't know where that comes from. I just don't get it. Right. And, you know, I mean, this is a guy who in those 215 plate appearances, uh, you know, 1.1 war on, on fan graphs, that's pretty good. That's a valuable part-time player to have. Uh but is that worth, I don't know, it, it, like I'm fine. I, I'm not fine with the overall the Mets won't spend money thing. But given the reality that ownership has given to the front office, I'm fine with the route that they chose. Yes. But I don't, I understand the 2018, even though it's a little bit of a, you know, clunky situation, I don't understand beyond 2018 you know if you it, i mean if anything it says to me that they obviously do not intend to be in on the gigantic free agent class of 2018-19 right i don't know if anybody had any actual hope that that would happen <laughs> but but yeah i mean it, you know if they were in a different position they they might not be lo- locking up their out their corner outfielders when uh, and I, I will say Bryce Harper is probably slightly overrated, um, not as like a bitter Mets fan, but oh, the more as Mike... slack is is bubbling underneath yes. these words. <laughs> no, but uh, more as a Mike Trout admirer, I will say that Bryce Harper is not on his level. Of and course it's, not. It's not even close. Like Bryce Harper is one of the best outfielders in the game. Mike Trout but... is one of the best players in history. <laughs> Right, and like undeniably so. Um, I'm just hitting on the, the Ted Berg checklist here. Ted Ted Ghost wrote everything I said tonight. Alex. <laughs> Taco Bell. Uh, I was going to say Taco Bell. Sandwiches. Uh, yes. Uh, 90s hip hop. Yes. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I'll shut up now. <laughs> uh, take care of that new baby, huh? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Congrats to Ted on that. And then, yes. can we work in the? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a good place for that. Go ahead. Well, congratulations. Uh, assuming the Deadspin report is uh, accurate, the Mets beat has lost. I, I'm, I'm a little biased. You know, he's been on the show a few times. We're gonna try to get him on once more as like a, a parting Mets thing. And hey, we could always have him on again as a what the hell's going on with the Yankees thing. Um, but Mark Craig is leaving the Mets beat for um, the Yankees beat with the athletic. Um, So we, you know, we're going to miss him on the Mets beat. I think uh, over the last few years, over his entire time there, he was one of the the best. Uh, And certainly the work he had done following the 2017 season, I think was some of the most revealing reporting that had been done about the Mets uh, at any point over the last, several seasons certainly in the the post madoff era um yes by a beat reporter um you know so you know it's a it's a combination of congratulations and also uh 
a little bit of selfish bitterness that, yeah. <laughs> you know, the Mets beat isn't quite uh, what it used to be with him as a part of it. So, And I'll say this. I, I think that a lot of writers could have written the same articles that Mark wrote about the sort of the last days of Terry Collins or the uh, the the state of ownership and all that and come off sounding mean or bitter while doing it. And, and Mark never really did that. You know, he certainly, you, if you heard him interviewed, he would he would have some some emotion and some investment in what he was writing about. And so it, that, that comes off strongly. But he never came off sounding just like a, a petulant uh, or overly cynical writer. He seemed to take everything more or less at, at face value and, and give people the benefit of the doubt. And still produce like stunningly honest and good content. So I wish there were more guys who took his lack of sensationalism to heart. Yeah, yeah, it's that, and uh, you know, it's, the whole setup is very bizarre. But you know, I felt like those things in particular um, sort of blended having having a very uh, keen awareness of where the fans are and also knowing all the characters who are part of the story, who are, who are in the business in on the team, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's hard to do. I don't, you know, without making it a criticism of anyone else's work, it's just, it's, it's hard to really connect with, with everybody in this equation. And, you know, I think sometimes too big a deal is made out of who, Oh, who represents the fans as a Rob Nair, you know, tweeting about that recently and people mocking him, um, that, that, that the fans didn't have a voice and, you know, or, or that writers are too friendly and siding too much with players, um, which is sort of a weird stance for a liberal guy to take. But, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's a it, it's in the grand scheme of things, none of this really matters. This isn't like real world important, you know. It's real, but it's not, you know. You don't need the. Uh, oh man, uh, why am I forgetting the two famous reporters from the most famous scandal in American history? Wilbur um, Bernstein. Yes, thank you. You don't need that in baseball. Uh, but if you can get somebody who is covering the sport, uh, in, in that sort of way, I think it's rare. Um, and yeah, so yeah, that's, that's that. Yeah. So congratulations slash God damn it. Yeah. Craig. Pronounced uh, correctly, by the way. Yes. I was going to, I was going to say, uh, I can't wait for, uh, for every, uh, mouth breather on Twitter to call him Mark Craig. Oh yeah. So yeah, fairly well. A um, couple more things before we get out of here. We uh, today the Mets sent an email that showed off all of the free shirt Friday designs. Well, all save one, um, as long as they don't plan on keeping that white shirt that just says TBD on it, which I would I would so adore a shirt that just said that that'd be so funny <laughs> for the Mets especially to have that shirt it'd be very very funny um 
But we have, uh, let's see, how many are there here? Looks like there's 12 Featured Friday shirts. Yeah. Uh, just real quickly, there's one that says DeGrom, but it says D-E-G-R-O-M. Uh, almost in like the Run DMC font, but not quite. Yeah, and it's weird since the Yankees sort of... Um... Right, they had their... Um... Yeah, their their own like Run DMC thing that they sort of, you know, ripped off. Right. Yeah. Uh, then you got a shirt that has the Mets logo and it says Bruce, which is Bruce's signature underneath it. Uh, there's the clear winner, which is a fake Mets pizza box shirt. Yeah. <laughs> there's a uh, a like a jersey, but not, but like with fake buttons and everything, <laughs> which is a little. Uh, little much for me i believe it's a conforto jersey right yeah and then that might be with, like, similar to like the free 86 jersey they gave away right. where it's you know it's like an athletic shirt type material but certainly not the jersey that you would pay you know a hundred or more dollars for right um there's what i think is the clear number two shirt the home run apple shirt um then there's clearly the number twelve shirt is next, which is uh, so I, I I'm a big Ahmed Rosario fan. I, I think we are very pro Rosario in this podcast. There's a shirt that essentially gives him like a neck beard that spells out his own name. Yeah. Can you think of a better way to describe it than what I just said, or is that his eyes are closed too, but he's smiling? I don't know. It's I mean. I may not hate it as much as, as you do, but I, I just, it, it's so weird. It's just it's a very odd. Like I don't know of all of the infinite possibilities in the universe why this was chosen as a shirt, right? Other than to say that uh, you know he will clearly be the match shortstop. <laughs> yeah, uh, both of us. Both of us when we saw the the picture initially thought it was a Reyes shirt. Yes, yeah. The, for a split second, I thought they were breaking news that Reyes had, you know, signed with the team via Free Shirt Friday promotion, which would be the most Mets thing ever. I don't even know if if uh, they would need to to make that announcement because I feel like Reyes is either playing for the Mets or he's retiring. Right? He hasn't said that, but that that has to be the reality. Yeah, I would. Um, I would think so i mean i it's not i guess impossible that some other team would give him like the minor league invite kind of thing yeah i mean does he want that i don't know but yeah all right so then we have the the aforementioned just white shirt blue tbd which i really do hope is uh is the shirt they go with uh on july 13th they have a clear they had they hired somebody who does airbrush t-shirts for bar mitzvahs yeah uh it just says amazing the next one is we I, should we ahead. should totally make a shirt that's airbrush uh, avenue exactly like that yeah or, or absolutely should, or should we just get a stencil and a and a can of spray paint and as people walk in just spray paint avenue on their shirts for them yes and then we can make an arrested development joke into it too and and put dot com underneath yep, exactly there we go Done. we're gonna be big yes <laughs> uh then there's, I, I think, the clear number three shirt, which is, uh, it's a circular logo, and it says New York Mets, and it's written in a kind of cartoony font. It's nothing special, but it's 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 fine. Um, then there's the most free shirt Friday one, 
which is a white shirt with like a rectangle in the middle that has way too many bits of Mets iconography <laughs> just kind of crammed yeah. together. There's the skyline. Yeah, Shake Shack, uh, the skyline, um, like the facade of City Field, the like a uh, foam finger. Too much. Too much in one shirt. Um, then there's a shirt with a tiny Mets logo and in huge letters, established 1962, with an orange uh, horizontal line. And the last one, it says New York Mets National League Baseball and it has a small Mr. Met on it and is fine. Um, any of these, besides the ones I pointed out, particularly do it for you? Or is there one you hate more than the others or what? How do you feel about these? I'm with you. Pizza Box is clearly the best one. And I'm not a big like white shirt guy, but still, that, that's the color of the Pizza Box. You know, kind of a traditional... Uh, New York City thing, no matter which borough you live in. Right. Your favorite pizza place has had a box like that at some point. And uh, that shirt will look even better as it begins to fade in this color. Yes. So that's a benefit, too. Just from, like, a graphical standpoint, I, I and the Conforto jersey thing, it's not even, like, really in the same class. I think the only other one that I'm like, oh, that's visually appealing and I get it with the circular New York Mets August third one that you referenced. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not as into it, but it is better than most of the rest. Um, it, it, and I'm going with another white shirt here, but just the Bruce. Uh, I don't know, just something about it, it catches my eye a little bit more than the rest. Um, the Degrom one is weird. You know, uh, the Rosario one, maybe it'll grow on us. The amazing. (laughs) Like the beard? (laughs) Yes, it'll grow on us in in the spellings of our names. (laughs) Um, Uh. The amazing airbrush one is really like, like, couldn't they just sell that at spring training and probably sell a lot of it? Maybe. I don't even know. I don't know. It feels very Florida to me. Yeah, um, I feel like the home run apple shirt would sell if that was a real shirt. Yeah, yeah, it's not a bad shirt. Uh, you know, pretty pretty unique thing, uh, and uh, you know, genuinely a good thing that's yeah. associated with the team. Um, I I would have I would have. Uh thrown in my hat for a uh, a two-time Ponzi scheme survival shirt. <laughs> or uh, let's see what else. Oh. I I would totally buy a shirt and, and maybe this maybe we should save this for an amazing avenue design to have it say uh, hashtag uh, Sandy's mess hashtag Omar's team. Yes. <laughs> um yeah it's a little weird that like Sandergard and Cespedes aren't on any yeah arguably the two best players on the team uh you know I know when everybody's healthy and all that Conforta might surpass that but arguably the best player on each side of the uh the roster yeah 
I'm also surprised they're not doing a David Wright shirt. Because even though he's not going to play for the team, David Wright is a Met forever. And oh, is, yeah. And is a very fan-friendly, popular Met. And you you would think they'd want to hype that up somehow. Especially, you know, if the team's not going to be very good this year, I don't know. If they're already out of it by June 22nd, I don't know if a Rosario t-shirt's going to pack people into the ballpark. But if you did a nice-looking David Wright t-shirt, that would get people there, even though he'll probably never play another game of baseball. We can hope, though. We can. <laughs> we can. I'm actually surprised that they're not... Um, they haven't tried to do anything with any of their more legendary retired players. Like, uh, even a Keith Hernandez shirt. You know, Keith is obviously an employee of the team and wouldn't be too hard to probably work a deal out with. Right. Uh... You know, or even, you know, it's the uh, it's the anniversary of the 88 team that made it to the playoffs. Yeah, that's true. You, you certainly could tap into that a little. But at the risk of sounding like, you know, a lot of other Mets fans, <laughs> um, they they're not fantastic at realizing and celebrating their history that is that is very true so even just like a more standard mr met shirt yeah yeah that's true man i I would you know matt's put me in charge of this next year okay (laughs) i i would have a shirt with the with the shea stadium neon players on it yeah i would have um next year it's 2019 so something with the 69 team would obviously be there i would i would just love i would have all the players names all the last names and in the background like in a transparent font just the word nice (laughs) there you go it's subtle not at all (laughs) uh no you know there's so much you can do with these shirts they're there are so many, you know, everybody loves Gary Carter. Do a, do a Gary Carter shirt, you know, especially. Do a Gary, do a Gary Cohen shirt. <laughs> do a Gary Cohen shirt, absolutely. Gary Keith and Ron shirt. Uh, do a Ralph Kiner shirt. Uh, you know, there, there's there's so much. You have a Kiner's Corner shirt. I, I would I would love, like, the old Kiner's Corner font. I mean, a logo on a shirt. Come on, that's great. That is so yeah. much better than the airbrushed amazing. Yes. <laughs> and the team probably already owns that. There's no licensing that has to happen there. God damn it, Mets. Come on. <laughs> Put me in charge of these shirts. Come on. You won't regret it, I promise. I would I would totally like the first in April when it's nice and cold out still. I would make a uh, Suyoshi Shinjo shirt with the orange nice. sleeves, like his. Yeah. You know, that'll be a, that. That's a shirt three people would enjoy. <laughs> yeah. All right, um, Chris, you want to introduce our last segment since you were the one who spearheaded this today? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, we we plug the emails. Um, 
What's the email address again? <laughs> Podcast at AmazingAvenueAudio.com. Right. Yeah, that one. Yeah, we plug those regularly. Um, it's been a slow off season, so we're not going to you know, criticize anybody for not submitting anything. But it's a little bit dry lately in terms of emails. Um, so we turned to Facebook and uh, and asked for questions. So, uh, you know, we're not necessarily going to answer every single one of them. But, uh, but we got some questions tonight for the podcast from some of our Facebook audience. And, uh, yeah, some, I, I, I think at least one thinks that we own the team. Um, <laughs> yes, I wish. We, we made a point to reply and, and say that we don't. But, <laughs> but for that question, John uh, asked, when are you selling the team? And why do you pretend to be interested in players you have no intention of signing? It's embarrassing and disingenuous to your fan base. Uh, yeah, we, we, we don't. Yeah. We, we, wish, we wish we could sell the team. Um, I don't know to whom. Uh, but yeah, it's not, it's not us. So yeah. sorry about that. Let's see. We got, um, let's see. will they fill the holes in the infield and bullpen via free agency? Uh, it seems like that's the way they want to go. As we talked about before, they're reluctant to trade away prospects at this point because of their limited cash of prospects. Um, but we'll see if they'll be able to afford to, uh, to fill those holes via free agency. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm skeptical on the bullpen too, even though I keep harping on it. Um, just seems like they kind of think Anthony Swarzak's enough, and they can hack it with the other three spots. Uh, I'd buy it a little bit more if they signed another starting pitcher and then said, you know, maybe Wheeler or Mats or somebody is going to pitch out of the bullpen. Right. Um, but that's not where we are right now. So yeah. I mean, the market is so slow to develop right now for relief pitchers, even though Addison Reed just did come off the books this week. Um, I think that there's going to be plenty of guys available, even going into the first week or two of spring training. Yeah. So, we'll see about that. Um, Gabe wants to know... Chuck asked that question before. Um, Gabe wants to know, are they still talking to Todd Frazier about third base? Um we believe so. They've, they've still been rumored to be talking. He then asks, uh, what are they waiting for? Why haven't they signed him yet? Or re-signed Reyes. Um, I mean, I hope they don't re-sign Reyes. We've talked about this ad nauseum in the past, but I think both of us are ready for the Jose Reyes era to be over in Queens. Um, yeah. But in terms of signing Frazier to play third base, I think that uh, it, it all comes down to money and years. You know, I, I think that for for a lot of us, we were balking at the idea of giving Jay Bruce five years and, you know, 70 or 80 million, whatever he was asking for. But when it comes down to 339, you make the deal. So I think if, if Frazier similarly fell to a more affordable place, maybe they'd make the deal then. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, it's kind of a spot, everything that we've heard, most recently seems to indicate that they would prefer to get somebody at second base and leave Cabrera at third. Uh, if that's the case, then obviously that's not going to be Frazier. Uh, but signing Frazier for two or three years is certainly one solution um, to give you major league caliber players at hopefully every position on the infields. Um, certainly three out of four. And then yeah. just kind of take it from there. And then, 
Yeah, speaking of the infield, I guess I can combine two of these. Uh, sure. Patrick asks, are they open to platoon at first with Wilmer and uh, Adrian Gonzalez, I guess? is. Uh, I-, I believe that's what AD means, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the splits, actually, I've heard AD is a nickname for Adrian uh, in the past, so oh, really? I-, I should know better. Yeah, Adrian Griffin, who used to play for the uh, Connecticut Pride CBA team when the CBA was still a thing. Uh, before Isaiah Thomas ruined it all. Um, yeah. There's a whole other episode of a podcast. <laughs> but uh, AD was was um, a nickname that he had gone by, even though it was, you know, it was just the first two letters of his first name. Yeah. So uh, anyway, <laughs> Patrick wants to know if they're open to platooning Gonzalez and, and Wilmer at first. Uh, the splits would be great, but he hasn't heard it mentioned, he says. Uh, and Dean wants to know if Keith is eligible for a reinstatement to play first base. Um, which obviously is somewhat of a joke. Um, we have enough first basemen. We have enough old first basemen. Yes. I don't know if, uh, you know, this era Keith could quite hack it. Barry Bonds, maybe. But um, this era Keith, maybe not. What about uh, the comeback kid of this uh, season, uh, Rafael Palmero? Oh, what, yeah, what is he... Uh, I... He's Did playing comeback. Of of like playing? He wants to play this year, yeah. Hmm. I missed that one. Yeah. I, I think this might have been when you were on your uh your King Gizzard uh pilgrimage. Yes. <laughs> Man, he, he's fifty three. Good yeah. luck to him. Uh yeah. Somewhere Julio Franco is calling him a fool. Yes. If Julio but, Franco uh, only played till forty nine there's no way Rafael Palmero could come back after a decade plus on the shelf and make a comeback. Yeah, but the uh, the Adrian Gonzalez Wilmer Flores point isn't a bad one. No, um, I'd be all for that actually. Yeah, you you know you look Gonzalez hasn't been terrible against lefties, but he hasn't been great either um, over the course of his career. But he has destroyed righties. Wilmer is the opposite yep. of that. Um, that platoon is contingent upon something else happening at second base or third base, you know, because right. uh, if not, Wilmer probably ends up being the starting player at one of those positions, uh, kind of an everyday basis. But yeah, no, if it's, uh, if the infield is in good shape, sign me up. Yeah. I think especially if they do get a second or third baseman and you have uh, Flores playing first against lefties, and then spelling uh, Cabrera there to a week also. That That's a nice that's a nice plan for everybody. Yeah. Um, we'll see. And then uh, Graham wants to know if we can call back the Indians and trade for Kipnis. I, I still wouldn't be surprised if that's what happens, but it seems like those talks are not as strong as they were a few weeks ago. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, um... You know, I, I, I'm i on board. I, I like Kipnis. Um, Would you prefer Kipnis or Josh Harrison at this point? Kipnis. I think I feel the same way. Oh, yeah, like, hands down. I, it, it, Josh Harrison would be fine. Kipnis is exciting. I know there's a little more. I mean, they both have they both had good and bad seasons. Um, it's just the good Kipnis is really, really good. Um I would think for a young shortstop, having Kipnis as his double play partner could be a great thing. 
Yeah. So yeah, I'm. Uh, I'd, I'd be on board. So yes, yeah, hopefully they do that. Um, and we had one other question: When will the Wilpons sell the team? Uh, my best guess is never. Yeah. Maybe after uh, Fred goes to that uh, Ebbets Field in the sky. That I think that is probably the only point in time that you know that it would at least open up to uh, what's going to happen. Right. Um, certainly not in his lifetime would I expect any for sale sign to be put up on the team. Agreed. And the, the the league is clearly not stepping in to try to make that happen. Like that's not, it's not something that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Unless their uh, Overwatch team becomes so insanely profitable that they uh, they decide to get out of this baseball racket, right? But we'll see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Esports. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so last week we ended the show with with some music talk, and I figured that might be kind of a fun thing to do during the off season. Uh, so Chris, sure. what have you listened to this week? Oh God. It hasn't really changed all that much. Uh, <laughs> the Fifth King Gizzard album, twenty seventeen. <laughs> I mean, it's all been in, in the rotation. Um, but if I'm going to not make it a King Gizzard answer, uh, let's see. I don't know if there's anything new over the last, uh, you know, few weeks that that is standing out. Um, hmm. I don't know if I have a great answer. It's a very easy question, too. That's why I, I wasn't even asking you the the best worst album or something we talked about before the show, right? Um, but no, I uh, one of my favorite uh, bands is, is a jazz trio called the Bad Plus, and they just oh, uh, yeah. their new album comes out as time, at the time of recording in uh, thirty seven minutes, uh, but it, it was streaming on NPR. This week and it's it's quite good. It's called Never Stop Two. Um, it's it's quite good. Yeah, uh, listen nice. to that. And uh, what else to listen to this week? Um, I've been on a, a Breeders' Kick, which we talked about a little bit last week because they have a new album coming out. We're both going to be at their show at the Capitol Theater in May, yeah, in Port Chester. So listen to some old Breeders' records, and uh, I think that's it. Anything? Nice. Um. I mean, the the music that's on my mind uh, at the moment, um, it's like Wilco side project stuff, a uh, few things going on. Uh, N- Nels Klein and his wife have a duo uh, that, that they call Cup mm-hmm. and uh, got tickets to see them in, in February. So that's sort of on my mind. Nothing oh, nice. has been released as a record yet. They did say they're going to do that at some point. Um, Where are they playing? Uh, National Sawdust, which is like near Music Hall Williamsburg. I think it's on North 6th Street as well. Um, It's a pretty small space. So like that's on my mind. Uh, I can't we can't make it up there. But um, Michael Jorgensen's Quindar is doing a performance at Mass Mocha um, this this Saturday night, the the 20th. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the 20th. so that stuff's on my mind. I've been listening to a lot of King Gizzard. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, there, there's been some other stuff in, in the mix. Um, you know, it's music can be very seasonal for me. Yes. So yeah. I've listened to Radiohead a lot lately. Um, kind of delved back into Big Thief's records. Um, not that I ever really totally abandoned them or anything, but, you know, just listen a little bit more lately. So, yeah, that that's, I'd say the, the last two Radiohead records and Big Thief only has two records, but those two would be my my variety, I would say, in the recent rotation. And I listened to a bunch of Metallica today because that's just a good thing to do. <laughs> uh, of, of what era? The good one. <laughs> I mean, the 80s. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, Ride the Lightning, Master, Kill Em All, mm-hmm. uh, and Justice. The, that era. I, I don't even include the Black Album in that, but that's, I agree. that's me. I agree. I'll actually throw something else into the, into the ring here. I... Uh... One of my uh, one of the bands that I love that I'm I'm constantly defending to people and, and I have to give a, a a time frame here before I really get made fun of by our listeners is um, early to mid seventies Aerosmith like for okay. first six records of Aerosmith I, I really adore um, and so there, there's an album that they they kind of broke up in the middle of making called Night in the Ruts and uh, there's some really great guitar playing on that album. I listened to that twice this week, so there we go. Yeah, yeah. Th- those are some those are some varied music picks from us. So that's good. Yeah, there you go. And uh, should we announce the thing? Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, we I th- think we have a date of the the ARG, the yes. Amazing Avenue Regional Gathering here, uh, of February twenty fourth. Uh, the borough will be in Manhattan. Midtown someplace. Yeah. The exact location is uh, featured on the Mets shirt from July 6th. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But yeah, stay tuned for more details, I guess. And and really, Steve Zypa is... um, He's the guy who's carried that torch for several years. Um, So, you know, we'll we'll consult with him and... uh, and take it from there. But if you if you do listen, and if you are around, and you can make it into the city, um, there's a fifty percent fifty percent chance. Sorry, that I will be sick. Uh, I genuinely get sick for like one out of every two of these. <laughs> but if I'm not, uh, you know, I should be there. Uh, I, Brian, I think you're planning on attending. Well, uh, <laughs> so yes, I am. Uh, Full disclosure: That is my son's second birthday. Ah, uh, uh, yes. But but we are we've decided we're gonna do uh, we're skipping his second birthday party. We're gonna do a, a two and a half party in the summer when the weather's nicer. Oh, nice! We, because we live on a lake and you can rent out the beach of the lake for a party. But both of our kids do not have summer birthdays, and so yeah. he's still young enough where he won't really know we're skipping his birthday party. There so, you go. I think we're gonna do like breakfast with the grandparents that day, and then I'll come in for the arg after that. So um, nice. So yeah. So no one has an excuse for not going because I'm going on my son's second birthday. There you go. <laughs> so everybody better get there. It'll be nice. It's always a good time. We should have uh, a fair amount of representation of the current site staff as well as. It's always nice to have some site alumni come out as well. 
I know there's at least one or two that are planning on doing that. Um, perhaps, yeah. we, perhaps we can try and uh, put 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 some fresh oil on the robot and get him out there too. But we'll see. He he made an appearance last year. He did. Um, so even though he's, you know, uh, no longer the uh, overlord of Amazing Avenue, he is still in the um, in the universe. Yes, I actually feel like for some reason this would make him more likely to come. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of counterintuitive, but I uh, I think that's the case. Um. So yeah, uh, February twenty fourth. Come oh, on and out. We will have we'll have stickers. I we <clears throat> I, I have many stickers. That's exciting. I didn't know we had stickers. Yeah, no, we we nobody did. Uh, but the robot had them all at his house. So now <laughs> I have all of them. All right. Well, I, I have a guitar case that I cover in stickers. There so you I'll go. I'll have to get one or two of those. So come out and get some stickers, folks. And uh, maybe we can maybe we can throw together some sort of fun. Like uh prize pack or something, but we could do a little raffle or I don't know what. Um uh, I, I have so I have some good old baseball cards and stuff I can throw in there. Some some vintage nice. Mets cards. And uh last year we were actually running up recording a podcast at the ARG. So I I, yep. I don't I don't know if we're gonna do that again this year. That I don't know if that's the plan or not, but but it was it was it was fun. So if uh you know, if, if things go well maybe we'll we'll do a live podcast there. Yeah, we we can aim to record something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we should try to find a place with a good jukebox, too. Oh, that'd be fun. We can we can see if we can, t- you know, tie break via that. Yeah. Yeah, that works. All right, folks, so uh, stay tuned for more information about that, and This is Aaron York for Amazing Avenue Audio, and today I wanted to touch on just a couple quick things that are going on with the Mets right now. Uh, first, the report from the New York Post that Adrian Gonzalez is probably going to be the opening day first baseman, and then also to touch on the story about the Andrew McCutcheon potential deal to the Mets falling apart because the Pirates wanted Brandon Nimmo. So let's let's talk about Gonzalez first. He is not the most exciting signing. He costs about half a million dollars. The Mets are paying him the minimum because the Braves absorbed all of his contract in their weird salary dump trade with the Dodgers in which they sent... Uh, Matt Kemp West, and they took back Gonzalez as part of the deal, and then they immediately released him because they were not interested in playing him since the Braves are still rebuilding and they don't need a veteran like Gonzalez clogging up their lineup. But meanwhile, the Mets are not rebuilding and they are trying to make a push this year and I think the Mets are a little closer than some people think. You have the Pirates and the Marlins, two teams that, if uh, if they had kept all their talent from last year, could be contenders for the wild card. But both of those teams have traded away major, major pieces with the Pirates 
Pirates uh, parting ways with Andrew McCutcheon and Garrett Cole. The Marlins, obviously, everyone knows they they traded Giancarlo Stanton and Marcelo Zuna. So both of those teams probably going to finish below the Mets this year unless everything goes wrong like it did last year. But it's hard to imagine a future in which the team deals with that many injuries again. The point is that the Mets are should at least at the start of the year be looking to contend. They have some veterans in the lineup. They have Azdrubal Cabrera and now Jay Bruce back on board. They have a a rotation that's headlined by Jacob deGrom and Noah Syndergaard, who have the potential to be two of the best pitchers in the league. So it's the Mets aren't considered a favorite for the pennant after what happened last year, but there is enough talent on board, and you also have Michael Conforto and Joanna Cespedes, and Sandy Alderson said today at the Bruce signing that there is potential for another major addition, so while they might not be a favorite for the pennant, they certainly have the potential to compete for a wild card spot. Uh, now that there are five postseason spots, we saw what happened in the American League last year with the, the Twins coming out of nowhere to take the wild card. There's no reason why the Mets can't be that team this year, so why not start Adrian Gonzalez on opening day? Dominic Smith, he played well at Double A and in Triple A last year, but once he got to the majors, he didn't show much. His WRC plus was in the seventies. He did flash some power, but he also struck out a bunch. Did not hit very well. So I think Adrian Gonzalez is the right choice as the roster is currently constructed. No one's really excited about him because he was so bad last year. But before his really lousy 2017 season, he had 10 straight years where he played at least 150 games. And in nine of those seasons, he had an on-base percentage above 340. So this is a guy, he's not a very big power hitter anymore, but... Before the the back issues arose last year, he was a very, very consistent hitter and a guy who can who can give you good at bats and and move the lineup along and just be a productive piece. He's been a good defensive first baseman earlier in his career, so so uh, so there's not I mean there's 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 things not to like, but. If the Mets are confident that his back is going to hold up, then I think Adrian Gonzalez can be a productive member of this team, and that is why he is right now the favorite to start on opening day. We'll see more in spring training, certainly, even though the experts and the analysis tells us that we we shouldn't base lineup decisions on spring training. It happens every year. We see it all the time, and of course, injuries also happen in spring training, so it's not set in stone, but... If the Mets had to play a game tomorrow that meant something, it would be Adrian Gonzalez at first base. And and Dominic Smith's still young. He could still use some seasoning at AAA. The only issue about this is what if Gonzalez gets off to a terrible start? Will the team hesitate to pull the plug and insert, and insert Smith or Wilmer Flores or whoever have you at first base Certainly, Jay Bruce is in the mix there as well, depending on what happens with Michael Conforto recovering from his shoulder injury. So there's a lot in play there, but would the, would the Mets hesitate if, if Gonzalez is not playing well? Recent history suggests, yeah, they would leave him in there too long. However, they have a new manager. They also do not have much invested 
in Gonzalez. So that makes me at least a little bit optimistic. But right now, I think Gonzalez is going to hit a little bit. So I'm not too worried about that right now. The point is, this is a contending team, and Dominic Smith needs to go back down to the minor leagues and, and prove himself first. And until then, they should stick with the old guy. So that brings us to the other topic, which is the Brandon Nimmo thing. I thought this was interesting because when we see, we, we saw the trade for McCutcheon and the, the San Francisco Giants didn't have to give up much. And a lot of Mets fans have said, hey, why couldn't the Mets do that? The Pirates were basically giving him away. And then you hear about Nimmo and the same Mets fan might say, well, I don't want to give up Brandon Nimmo for Andrew McCutcheon. I'm glad the Mets did not do that trade, which is kind of funny because I don't see Brandon Nimmo as being a major, major piece. I like him. I like the way he got on base. He played pretty well last season. He's one of their only guys in the outfield who's probably got plus athleticism right now. He's got young legs. He can run around, play some center field, which is good, but he might not be on the opening day, in the opening day lineup. So what does that say about his value to the team? I just feel like Mets fans and myself included, we we treat we treat our middling prospects different than those of another team. For example, maybe a, uh, if the Mets had done that trade, a fan of another team might have said, hey, the Mets didn't have to give up anything. It was just Brandon, Miller, Brandon Nimmo and a couple other pieces. And we said that when we saw the, the package that the Giants sent to Pittsburgh. But, but for the Giants fans, maybe it felt like they were giving up a little more. So it, it's, all about, it's all about following a team and having that passion and just forming personal attachments and uh, I, f- I feel like the package is always going to feel like more when when you've really been following these players through the minors. And certainly we've been doing that with Nimmo since he was a former first round pick. And it looked like he was finally starting to come into his own last year. So whether you like the fact that the Mets missed out on McCutcheon or not, it's, I thought it was just interesting to, to gauge the fan reaction when when the story came out about per- perhaps Nimmo being included and with Josh Harrison now wanting to be traded from the Pirates because everyone else is gone, certainly uh, the Mets could still trade Brendan Nimmo to the Pirates. They're still looking for a second baseman or a third baseman, it seems. So that is going to be probably the number one story for the rest of the offseason. And I am going to be interested to see what Sandy Alderson and company can come up with. It has not been the most exciting offseason, but with Jay Bruce and Adrian Gonzalez, they are slowly putting together (laughs) not the greatest lineup in the world, but something that if they get the starting pitching, if they get it healthy like it wasn't last year, perhaps it's a lineup that can play this team into a wild card berth. You look around the division and the Phillies aren't quite there yet. And the Marlins are trading everyone away, and the Braves are not where they need to be yet. And you think, hey, maybe the Mets can beat up on some teams and get some wins. And and that's that's the main reason why I'm not totally on board with the youth youth movement right now. The Mets seem like, well, obviously they're not going just all out, just putting it all out there, but they are appear to be doing enough 
And if one more deal really is in the in the workings here, the Mets could be a threat. So we'll see what happens. It's not the most exciting time, but it could be worse as far as 2018 possibilities go. So this has been Aaron York for Amazing Avenue Audio. Um, have a good have a good week here. And this is my first piece of 2018. So peace out. that does it for another installment of Amazing Avenue Audio. Thank you for joining us. We truly appreciate it. Please send us emails, podcast at amazingavenueaudio.com. We love to hear from you. Or uh, post on our Facebook what you want us to talk about. We are going to be trying to use Facebook more more frequently to generate some topics for the show. So please do that. You can find Facebook, you can find Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. Or of course at amazingavenue.com where you can go for all your Mets needs, of course. Where else would you go? AmazingAvenue.com is the place for that. You can get this show, the show you're listening to right now, at Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on your podcatcher of choice, or directly from blogtalkradio.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. That helps us quite a bit. And you can follow us all on Twitter. I'm at Brian Denap. Chris is at Chris McShane. Aaron is at Aaron P. York. And uh, by next week, there'll probably be more free agents off the books. And uh, we'll probably have a better idea about what the Mets plan to do with uh, their remaining holes on the roster. Well, maybe not by next week, but hopefully in a few weeks we'll have a better idea about that. So, until next time, let's go Mets.